0: good evening patriots and it's friday december 16th in the year 2022 and on the east coast you are now into saturday it's going to be a nice saturday hopefully for everybody patriots before we begin make sure that you're stocking up on the things you need in case of food shortages patriots if you haven't heard we're heading into the worst diesel fuel shortage in 70 years That's a big problem. Because if truckers can't get enough fuel, grocery stores could go empty. You need to stock up now on emergency food. Visit mypatriotsupply.com and grab a special offer from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. You'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit with a wide variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks that provide over 2,000 calories a day for strength and energy. My Patriot Supply wants to help American families more by charging less. So go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit. Order enough to get your family through the difficult times ahead. At least one kit per person in your home. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and grab all the four-week kits you need. MyPatriotSupply.com Patriots, food is security, both mentally and spiritually. And the time to prepare is now. So I don't know if people are paying attention to this one, but it's kind of interesting. Tomorrow is December 17th, and there's a lot of uh, people around going to be having ungovernable parties. I guess they call it the ungovernable, ungovernable, B-O-W-L. Which is pretty uh, pretty cool. So I would recommend that tomorrow do something in defiance, go out and go to the gun range, go do something. But it's whatever that fits in your in your day, I think it's a good thing to keep ourselves reminded of what we have ahead and what's, what it's going to require of all of us to do. Christ flip tables. And Jesus challenged the Pharisees in the temple. That's ungovernable in a brilliant way. It really is pretty amazing. John Adams wrote, ambition is one of the ungovernable passions of the human heart. The love of power is this insatiable and uncontrollable. So ambition to bring this country back should be firing up everybody. And that's really kind of where we need to be. You know, we we have a we went through a, a moment yesterday, which I call the I'm beginning to call the Trump spandex moment. It's, I really did not have any idea that I would ever see Trump in a drawing as Superman. But anyway, there are stranger things in life. But I'm still looking for it. I'm sure it'll show up next week. I, I, it's really that bad now. We just have to wait a day or two, and something crazier will happen. But I'm going to touch on this a little bit because I I think what's really important about yesterday and this is my reaction. Um, obviously, I spoke to the event pretty clearly and concisely on two different shows yesterday. In probably three, because I was literally stunned by what I saw. I, just, I, I never saw anything so ridiculous. And I'm sure that you know there's all sorts of narratives cropping up. But what's interesting is there really isn't that many narratives today talking about it. They're all jumping to the second. Part of that, which is his speech about Internet uh, Bill of Rights, which is dumb. And I, I'm just going to be blunt because we already have a Bill of Rights and we have a freedom of speech. And the freedom of freedom of speech is not limited to what we speak in the open. It also covers what's on the Internet. So there's really in, in the Internet Bill of Rights, there were things like child exploitation and stuff like that. What in the heck is that in the Bill of Rights for? I mean, that's like common moral law. And that's exactly what's happened is we have, they're making this thing up because we have lost moral law. So now you're, you're living in the era of civil law, absent of moral law, which gets to be insidious. Pretty soon they're going to like have to write a new Bill of Rights that articulates that, for example, like in church, when you sit in the pew, don't pick your nose While on the subway and your cell phone rings and it's loud, you're forbidden from doing that and you must have it on silent. I mean, this is the sort of nonsense that's going to go on because we've lost moral law. And without moral law, which is ultimately God's law, the country sets itself adrift and it's a sea without any direction. And we're kind of living through a lot of that right now is through the governmental side of things because our government isn't based on Jesus and it isn't based on God. It's based on their... Whatever they worship. And it's led us down to this pit that we're in. But when we really water things down and we get down to the common denominator of our local communities, which is what is all important. And this is where I was going to say what really, what I was left with yesterday was actually a pretty good sense of peace. And I know some people have been disappointed. I've talked to a lot of people in the last 24 hours. Some people were disappointed, some people were depressed. They were let down. And a lot of that is just coming from an over-priority of worship on Trump. He's a man. I'm not angry at him. I think it's dumb. And I can say things like I think it's dumb. I mean, especially since today we got the announcement of this. We made history. My Trump digital trading card sold out in hours. Congratulations to the collectors. Thank you. Great. (laughs) Cheers to that. Have an eggnog. But I you know, I really don't care. It's dumb to begin with. Lots of reasons that it might be there. But the issue at hand really is the moral law that we lack and the moral foundation that's being eroded and it continues to be eroded unless we step up. And that's really the most important part is I think we all have to start to embrace what the gift was yesterday. For me, the gift, we can break it down. You can do analysis, try to figure out what's in the digital, the NFTs. If there was digital code, you'll never know. Try to see if it was really introduction of the NFT concept on a global scale, which I think it was. It's prepping people for a, some something to come with NFTs and voting and money, probably. But also outside of that, the digital bill of rights was a dead cat bounce. We already have it. Just change two th- enforce 230 rules and at the same time enforce the Declaration of Independence. I'm mean, sorry, the, the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment. Enforce that. That'd be nice. But to the point of the Declaration of Independence, get us back to moral law, which we're not running on right now. And we've just become an administrative nation, which ultimately leads us to tyranny. And it's it's pretty evident that the reason they're trying to put in the digital bill of rights is because meta is coming and people are going to be trying to claim a life outside of the real life which is garbage but that's what they're going to try to do and corporate owns meta so they're going to try to claim exclusion from the bill of rights which they do already so that's kind of the nightmare that we have coming at us like a freight train all of that will continue to happen It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It is going to happen. And a lot of the reason for that is that people want it. You're not going to stop people. And if you take it away, they'll remake it. If you tell them they can't, they'll do it anyway. So we're really ending up into a world where we're starting to divide. And that's expected. I've talked about this in different terms. People haven't always been comfortable with it because it's more of a new agey term. But it's the principle of bifurcation. It's the dividing of the world. We can talk about it in terms of quantum if you want. Talk about it in terms of exodus if you want. So whatever that reasoning is, or I mean, however you want to frame it, the world is literally dividing. And as we divide, we're finding ourselves in different camps. We're sitting in a very unique space. And I think it's a, a very God-gifted space. And in no way am I... Trying to, I don't like pedestalizing when we start talking about God in no way do I want to pedestalize us, but I think that we've been given a significant gift, which is to help others as well, and that is we've been given an ability to see, and what we're really seeing is that we're not going to be able to affect change, and we're not going to be able to pray for change and pray for transformation if we're praying into falseness and and lies we're praying into president Trump. We're praying into these worships of, you know, the decoding stuff or you're praying. People are, I'm sure there's people even praying for Biden in, in weird ways. But what we're really witnessing here, if we're going to be honest, is the illusion of what people are chasing right now. People are chasing solution. They're chasing outcome. They're chasing to know the end of the story. And that, that befalls all of us in one way or another. But in particular, it, it, that's where we get the, in the Christian side, we get the revelationist who's always trying to write the end of the story, tell us when it's going to happen, when that day and time is going to be, even though it's said that we won't know. They're trying to read into all the signs to tell you this is where we are on the clock of God, which is a, it's really blasphemous in, in my book. We have the, and with that, we start to manufacture things too and expectations. I've seen people live their entire lives for a day to watch it just not happen. And then they have to rewrite that story and start again. It's like, well, it was supposed to happen today, but it didn't, or it's supposed to happen this year, but it didn't. So it's going to happen next year. And you're living in this perpetual cycle of hell, which is what it is. And it's a hell that people are bringing on themselves. That's happening in other places. People in the The left is wrapped around itself and force feeding, imagining that they're going to have a world where everybody is gender plural, where children are theirs to exploit and do. The children are in their magical mind. The children want to have sex with them. This is depravity, but it's nonetheless part of their own fantasies where everybody is going to be respected, and they all get along perfectly, but because they all respect each other's pronouns. And there's no worry about money because everybody's on a socialist system where the money just flows naturally, and it just comes from nowhere. And everybody lives in small little 500 or 300 carbon low-carbon footprint boxes, and we've saved the world together because we've all come together and lived in one these that dense little spaces, and the earth is given a chance to regrow and breathe. I mean, that's the cult you have maga and in america firsters that are wrapped around trump's feet and and telling us that he's going to be back in you know a few months and the military is going to sweep in and take control and the white hats have got it all and this is just a movie that we're watching and on and on and on and none of this is real it's just all just made up so that we will wake up and that don't worry about the the people dying because this is war and people have to die is this this kind of all of these things have a certain irrational irrational rationalization is what they do. They rationalize what they want. And most of it, in my opinion, is stemming from fear. It's fear of the unknown. And so people are writing stories to the end instead of understanding that God wants us just to walk with him. Just be with him, love him, be part of him, and experience the greatness of the moments that we're in. But when we start to reach for the morrows we start to get anxiety and when we start to get anxiety we start to want to paint what's going to happen and really what's unfortunate is we miss amazing moments. Living in the moment is one of the most powerful things we can possibly do. It's and when we live with an, with this calm and peace in the moment we hear father like like uh, like never before we see the world with clarity and precision. And we appreciate the nuance of the small things. But unfortunately, we don't spend enough time there. We spend a lot of time in the, well, what ifs, and if this happens, and, well, they're going to come do this to us, and they're going to come do that to us. They really won't. They like to make a lot of noise. We should know about them by now. They make a heck of a lot of noise. They don't deliver a lot of action. And yeah, it's possible you can get snared up in some of this stuff. But if it, if you look at it from the perspective that God wants you there, then, or God's going to be with you when you are there, then that's okay. It's all pretty simple in in that in that way. We just tend to, we just tend to overdo things. In what I consider to be kind of the wrong way because fear and anxiety, anger, hatred, those are just those common emotions that are easy to seep in. And there's, we should be awake and alert and eyes open and excited and living in this moment because you're never going to get this again. Never in the history of humankind that we know of, of anyway are we going to experience such an amazing moment. This is an incredible time. And so much is happening. And that's why, you know, so, I mean, it's going to go back to yesterday. Would you have ever imagined that the president, that many are claiming to be the best president ever, would send out digital trading cards with him dressed in a Superman costume with red tights? I, that was not on my list of possible. <laughs> but it's one of those things it's just like, wow. Well, and, and the thing is that if we're going to take this journey as if it is a burden, as if it never is going to end, if it, and we're always waiting for it to end, we've missed the entire reason we're here. This journey we're on is a Transformation. As they are trying to, think about what I'm going to say here, as they are trying to transition humanity to whatever robotic hell they want to give them, we are in an incredible transition right now that we're sharing together. And in the opportunity with that, we have the opportunity to bring people along with us and introduce them to the greatest, most magnificent thing you ever could the love in Jesus and their relationship with God. And along the way, you're going to run into some real problems. That's part of the journey. But those don't become obstacles. They don't become impossible barriers. They just become obstacles and challenges to overcome and navigate. And God's right there with us. And he's enjoying that process with us, and he's going to be there with us. And think of Apostle Paul being stuck in prison, and they started singing. And the doors flew open. I mean, that's the sort of point I'm making here, right? But we're going to, we have to let go of these false worships. And that's why I look at yesterday as like another great, that's why I feel so good about it today, because it's like, wow, at last there's been enough of a destruction of an idol, which I think is probably God's hand, that people are going to step back and not just race to President Trump as a whole. He's a man. I'm not saying he's good or bad. He's a man. And the worship of him, like they were people were worshiping, led us down a problem. My, My opinion, if I was let me just say it this way: if this was a military operation, as the Q concept was framed, the biggest obstacle to any sort of success, the biggest need first of all was to have someone like Trump that could bring together people and show them that they were more than they thought to identify one of the greatest threats which was the media and to expose the government for its corruption by forcing them to play along with the constitution that all occurred in year one and two which would be 2017 2018 once we get into 2019 things start to get rough and rocky okay effectively all of his mission was completed in the first two years. And then you have a problem. If you're in a military operation, from my point of view, you have a problem because what the problem is, is as people woke up and as people started to listen to Q and as people were paying attention to their world, and then you had this concept of trust the plan that became trust the plan that someone else is going to fix your life for you. And then you have the worship of Trump suddenly at the end of year two, you have a critical problem that people aren't really awake. What they are is they are now powerful and dedicated worshipers of a president and a letter Q and they aren't functional in society. So when you, if I was in God's chair, which I'm not, and I'm not presuming to be, but I'm just kind of, I mean, if I'm looking at this, I'm going to be like, Yep, those idols have to go because their eyes are not on me, and I need to break that so they will at least make a solid choice of either coming to me or not. So yesterday's event was freeing for me because it was like finally, it's like there's I, I'm not even, (laughs) I don't know what to say. I mean, other than I mean, I can make some snide comments, and and we're all, if it offends you, then, well, get tougher skin. Because it was a ridiculous show yesterday. It was going to be this great, fantastic event again for round two of the greatest event in American history. Because apparently he's greater than Lincoln and greater than Washington. That's not what I signed up for. I did not sign up for a mega ego to lead our nation. So I'm comfortable stepping back. As I said, I'll figure out who I'm going to vote for in November beginning of November of 2024 until then the real fight is local and the real fight and the real action is local one of the challenges that we have is we tend to look at the strategic which is the big picture and then we forget about the local or we look at the local and then we get overwhelmed by these strategic things and think that our local actions don't matter local action is everything in this fight it's what makes the difference. And so we have to get back to the basics. You know, if you ask yourself some questions, I mean, one of the questions I think everybody should be asking themselves is, what would have kept us from getting here? Too often, we, I hear this response of people be like, well, the, the elections are rigged. We should have, that would have made a difference. Maybe. I don't think so as much as we think because people weren't engaged we still probably would have abdicated to the left even if the elections were perfect because we just wouldn't have shown up too many people wouldn't have shown up the polls because they didn't find it to be important it was like ah politicians are all corrupt whatever so someone just wrote this are you using this platform to brainwash why spend the time you set yourself up, respect your listeners and their choices, then tune out. <laughs> See ya. This platform, we're talking about an event that happened yesterday. And the, it's very clear that what we are dealing with, with Trump, is an absolute train wreck. And so with that, there are the choices that we have to make to change this nation, are going to be local. They're not going to be national. And that's where the real hard fight is. So if you don't work on the local piece and if we don't embrace the local piece more, we're not going to make the traction. So let me go back to the question, which is quite literally in this question, what would have made this not happen? What would have prevented this? You have to look at the enemy to where they are, where they are at. And you start to realize how strategic they were in placing their infiltration. So they chose very strategically to go after politics because the conservative base of this nation didn't take politics seriously. They went after the legal side because that was Ivy League and that was snotty and the conservative side wasn't that interested in it. So they took over legal. They went after education because much of the conservative side just saw educators as a non-hardworking group of people. Being a teacher, why would you be a teacher? Why don't you become a welder? Why don't you become a builder? But you still have to have teachers to make those things happen. And the system pushed us away from, as they got influence in the system, they pushed people away from trades and pushed people into degrees. So they, they literally started to, shape a system and take advantage of a middle-class, hard-working America to turn the system against it by using their own weaknesses. So one of the other areas that they also went after was the church. There's effectively two things that could have changed the direction of things, and since they could have, the answer is they will again change the direction of this ship. One of those things is to revalue children, not to find a way not to raise them, not to find a way to find digital babysitters or outsource them to public schools, but once again, take the pride in nurturing children. And if they're in public schools, then to take that initiative to be as involved as you possibly can, get on skill boards, get in teachers' faces force the change in the system. But honestly, I don't think public schools are changeable now. I think they're bankrupt, but that's my opinion. I'm a, I am think homeschooling is going to be the only way forward. So that would be building homeschool pods, finding there's some other, there's some interesting homeschool initiatives going on in my own hometown where they actually have a church and volunteers come in and they teach. It's a homeschooling program for that allows children to come in almost like a regular school. That'd be closer to a pod. There's a lot of things that we can do to break from the system of the public system. And the other big one, this is the this is the one that I'm still sitting back wondering. I think we've all been kind of wondering what happened is the pulpit. So we're past COVID. Whatever churches have survived that or reopened, we know who they are. But the fact of the matter is that when we're dealing with the pulpit, the pulpit is a significant change agent when used as it should be. Our country was built on the foundation of the pulpit. And it was years in prepping. So it took about 50 years of work to prepare the colonists for the point of 1776. Or 1775, actually, because that's when Lexington and Concord was the first real battle. So we had 50 years of preparation, and the primary source of that preparation was coming from pulpit and strong pastors. They were speaking out against tyranny. We haven't had that. So I think, in a realistic sense, of when we're looking at this fight, and we're right, there's an eagerness for people to want to see this wrapped up quickly. It won't be. And that's just something to get very honest with ourselves about. There are certain issues that as they become more public will create a greater ability to unify and mobilize people towards a common goal of ridding out and getting rid of the evil. But it doesn't correct these events that synthesize movement or movements don't have an end effect of making a changing ideologies necessarily. We're trying to get back to a root of being sovereign and people don't even understand what that light type of type of life is because at the center point of living sovereign is to be accountable. And most people don't want to be accountable, especially coming from the pulpit. It's, When we're talking about churches, let me give you an example, a hard example. Every church, when it comes to this child issue, should be talking about it from the pulpit. People in the congregation should be showing up at these school board meetings at the very least to pray for the kids. You don't even have to take a political position. Pray for the kids. But there shouldn't be one church that isn't talking about the influx of pornography in our schools. Every church should be talking about it every Sunday. And that's not political. That's scriptural and biblical. We must protect the little ones. So it's stunning to me that that isn't happening. And where we are right now in a a very, this is a great comment, complacency in the pulpit is dangerous. It's absolutely true. That's just such a true statement, and we've ended up with complacency in the pulpit. So we need to be taking over the school boards. It's one of the most strategic nodes in our local communities, along with county commissions and sheriffs. But the school boards are a critical node, and it's probably the highest priority on our docket, or should be, because it's the one place where we can immediately and quickly protect the children. There was a group of ladies in, I believe, and I could be wrong, it's either Virginia or North Carolina, but they just took over an entire school board and literally in two weeks they fired everybody that they needed to fire and they've reset the curriculum. It can be done. And it's that fast to protect the children. So the two, when I, I'm sharing all this because I think there's a point when this fight seems to be overwhelming for many. And it's difficult to sort through and synthesize a pathway of action. There's a lot of noise intentionally, and I don't think we've been in a period of time like we are right now where there has been so much of look here, look there, look here, look there constantly And at the same time, having an amazing amount of truth being pouring into the public space. So it's difficult to stay focused because there's a real desire for many to get wrapped up into these big narratives. And at the end of the day, it's great informational stuff, especially if you've been, if you're new, and it's important to have that if you're kind of new to an awakening event. But for the seasoned ones, that's just, it's, a lot of what we're witnessing here right now is a little bit boring, or at least should be. Twitter, yeah, there's some great details, but at the end of the day, everything they're talking about on Twitter, we already knew two years, three years ago. Nothing new under the sun. When you talk about symbolism, we've been through that route. We're sure there's some new symbolism you can see. Perhaps we see it a little more clearly, but we dug into that 2017, 2018, 2019 hard. Child sex trafficking, those are... Massive issues. We, As far as the knowledge and awareness of it, we know it exists. We don't need proof anymore because we've established that proof. Where we need to be moving now is where is it happening in our local communities, in our churches, in our schools, in our government offices. That's what has to be peeled at back, and that's going to take hard local effort working with retired Leo, retired military, and great civilian just regular good moms and dads out here in the world that care, or grandma and grandpas that care, that see things and put pictures together. That's literally how that's going to happen. But with all of this, when we go through the event like yesterday, which is for some was a, getting the wind knocked out of them, we go through this kind of dragging on of what seems like a monotonous event. If we're feeling like that, they we're really not walking as God would want us to walk, in my opinion. Because God didn't put us here to be bored or be labored down and feel like the burden is on our shoulders. He put us here to be inspired as his children. And as inspired children, we need to be doing things in our lives and in to affect the world around us. I mean, think of this accountability. I mean, what happens when we stand before him I mean, effectively as we stand before him everything that has not to do with him is going to be burned away and we're going to be left with what we have given in our lives towards that love and walk in Jesus and father God in simple terms and there's going to be a lot of people in tears at that point in time because they're going to be like whoa wait a minute that, there's plenty of them I've met that'll be like yeah but I accepted Jesus it's like yeah what else did you do I went to church every Sunday. Okay. You know, that's that's kind of the extent of their relationship with Father God. And if you think about a moment of how precious our moments are, we don't know our end time. So this is where the the living in the moment and the worrying of the future get all messed up. So I'm going to walk through this one. So if we're living in the moment, we're living fully in Father God and doing whatever is he's leading us to do and we're doing it to the fullest and greatest that we possibly can. And as Christ said, you need to be like a child to get into the kingdom. So I don't know when we do that. I mean, sometimes those events, it isn't necessarily door knocking or out here evangelizing or bringing people to Jesus. It might just be being in the presence of father and doing as he wants us to do, whether it's baking a cake or whether it's cleaning the house or whether it's writing a letter or whatever that is. It's literally being with him and living through him in the perfection of the moment. But our time and clock that we're here is unknown to us. We could drop dead tomorrow. We could drop dead in any hour. We could drop dead in 20 years, 30 years, 100 years. I don't know. So every moment is precious. And unfortunately, what we tend to do in our life, as we look at the age and we look at the time and it's just, this is the way this world is built, and in the framing of this world, not saying anybody in particular is doing it, but it's the framing of the world, which is important to appreciate, is that our world is built on this idea that we will get a job, that we will work diligently and dutifully, and they even call that a Protestant work ethic you will be diligent and dutiful in your task to, to obey your master, which is your employer, and to do what you must do. It has nothing to do with your gift and talent. It has to do with your job because it's that work hard and save a lot. That's your money worship so that you can put things aside so that when you get older, you will then be given the reward of not being at having to work anymore if you've done a good job of savings And if you've managed to outgame the system that's trying to steal all your money through inflation and taxes, you'll then arrive at a moment where you can step away from work and you can do whatever you want. And if you're even a greater reward is that there'll come a point in your life when you can literally use that money if you've been successful and you can go into a retirement home all of, you'll live in a little box and attendants will come and see to it and you will have meals prepared for you each day. And there'll be excursions and outings that you can do with a collective group and you'll live in your little apartment. And if there's a flu going around like there is right now, then you'll be told to mask up. You'll be required to take vaccines to keep you healthy. Everything, your mind will be managed for you by an administration that Will do that for you dutifully as long as you're paying them eight, nine, ten, twelve thousand dollars a month. That's the requirement. And that to me, that's a living hell, but that's another subject. And what's interesting is how quick people how quickly people descend once they get to those places. So you've worked your whole life to arrive at a living death. I don't know, I, there's always exceptions to what I'm going to say on this next statement, but I don't know a, many people that look at retirement, end up enjoying retirement to such a degree that they get better and more energized in life. Retirement is kind of like putting the horse out to pasture, that you've worked hard your whole life, and then when you get there, there's the money to do all these things you'd hope to do, and it really doesn't pan out the way they think instead of living life to the fullest as we go. So at the core of that is the relationship with Father God. It's our relationship and trust in him along the way, or our, it's our fear of not having something at the end and then having a kind of a touchstone relationship with Father God every Sunday, but then working hard to anticipate that end that apparently he's not going to provide for us which I find so ironic as he always has been there and will be there to provide. And the other part of that is there's really nothing in Scripture that says that we're supposed to retire and do nothing. At least I've never come across it. And so our mission here has always been to work always, to be diligent in our work and efforts in this world. All of that is where we arrive when it with and then where I started from again was the Trump spandex, red spandex moment yesterday. And I'm started there because that's that big hope in the sky, that pie in the sky, that someone is going to be our superhero by its own name and is going to fix all this for us. But when we get down to really fixing things, what we're having to do is fix our relationship with Father God and really anchor ourselves into the purpose and meaning of why we're here, which is the moral foundation of our existence. I don't need a superhero. I have one already. Thank you. That superhero is Jesus, if we're going to say it that way, the Son of God. And I don't need anything Else than that in my relationship with Father God in this world. Now, God does not tell us to be foolish, and God does not tell us to be be wasteful. We should be good stewards of what we have, and He wants us to do that. But He also doesn't expect us to be so miserable and so penny tight that in everything that we're miserly living our lives and we're not living a happy life. Unfortunately we bring a lot of that on ourselves and God is also doesn't create a world of unitary socialism where everything is an egalitarian socialism because there is, that doesn't really exist in heaven from what we read in scripture. So those ideals that come about from foolishness are painted by people that in my opinion, are so dissatisfied in their life. They're always projecting that out there. Oh, things will be so much better when we get to heaven. I don't. I'm not in any rush to get there. I really am excited about every day about living here and being part of this living experience, that breathing experience. And as difficult and as challenging as it gets, it's still an incredibly blessed time. The opportunity, opportunity to overcome challenges, we're in such an amazing position right now, so many of us to be able to not only have the strength and love in him, but to have the eyes to see where we're going, and through him to work to affect and improve lives of others. That's, there's. I don't think there's a higher calling. So if you're feeling heavy right now at this world, don't. I can tell you don't. You're going to have to sort this one out yourself. But I would encourage you to just take it to Father and and ask and have that conversation because I guarantee you, Father God's not going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, I, I gave you that burden to carry so you'll be miserable in this world. I wanted you to feel misery. That's what you signed up for. That's not our God. That may be their, their God with a little G who's... An a and can't figure out what gender it is. But it's not our God. Our God is an amazing God. He's a loving God. He's an amazing Father that never leaves us and never forsakes us. And the work never stops. It doesn't just go away. So I would just... We all have a different station in life. We're all part of this one body. That's what makes us so amazing. You know, we hear this hive mind stuff with them, and they all are. I mean, I say them. It's pretty obvious what we're talking about. We're talking about this lecherous virus of a liberal mindset that's been taking over the world. It wants everything to be like it. It wants it. everybody must think like me, or you are not part of me. And that's the obedience. And interestingly, that's almost, that. Come, you could go back to the book of Enoch even and see that sort of issue even with Lucifer, whatever. He wasn't called Lucifer then, but Lucifer. That's how he was looking at trying to make people obedient to him and worship him in a certain way. God's never done that. God said, you have free will, and I will love you either way. I'll love you, but you have free will to choose me or not to choose me. What a profound statement if you think about it. The caged bird, right? Because if you set the bird free and it comes back, you know it truly loves you, that sort of thing. That's the principle God's working on. It's an amazing principle. And as we choose to come back to him, that's when the doors are opening for us to receive that, the greatest gift ever. It's the inheritance that awaits. But it's all so amazing, the whole world around us. And so if we're in these moments where it feels heavy, just turn to him because he's not a he's not wanting you to feel heavy. He wants you to enjoy this moment, experience this life. It's so this is where we have to get real good at discernment because we have to realize that there are dark and heavy forces around us that want us to fail. We're constantly under siege. We have to change some of our lensing, because you'll often hear people say, Well, God brought that up on my life because I did something wrong. God's not going to bring pain, death on your life. You brought it on yourself or de- or you worked with the demons to do it. And like a great father, he doesn't step away from you. Sure, there can be some rebukes by father, but it's the rebuke that we do in ourselves. We lead ourselves into these pits and then father is there to be like, "Um, you might want to not do this again. And if we do it again, he'll be like, I kind of told you, you may not want to do it again. But he doesn't walk away from us. In the most broken places you can find, like prison, he is probably the most alive. He's healing souls that otherwise we consider in a normal society unhealable. And yet he's doing it. So I guess you know, in all of this, in just reflecting in the last 48 hours, and finding myself in such an amazing place, really just like solid, comfortable, um, just kind of laughing at the whole world, at this strange worlds that are evolving around us, and it's literally like different dimensions, like the like watching the Mandela effect happen all around you, and you're not changing, but everything else is changing. You're like. Oh, oh, yeah, I didn't see that one coming. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that one coming. I mean, this is literally how our world is. But what an amazing gift that we've been given to see clearly. And with that, what an amazing opportunity to be able to pray clearly and to be able to talk to Father God clearly. And the more that this all clears up, to be able to find ourselves clearly sitting on the real rock of faith. And be able to really understand the power of what we can do in our communities and the inspiration that that should give us to bring the Holy Spirit back to our communities. To challenge the pastors that are not speaking out the truth. We don't have to waylay them. We just need to work with them and encourage them and to challenge them to use their pulpit for what God wants it to do because we are the church now. But we don't want to abandon those that are out there. We want to encourage those to rise up and to be great too. That's part of the kingdom. We want others to be great with us. This isn't an exclusive club. That's what I said at the very beginning. I don't want to pedestalize anything we're doing. But we've accomplished so much in this walk. If you haven't seen that, I hope you do. We've accomplished so much. It's within us and it's God working through us. And I say we have, as a collective and as a movement with and through God, so much has been accomplished and so much has been given. And here we stand now in a really amazing place. This storm that we're looking at, and yeah, it'll hit when it hits. We stay diligently and we do our preps. We go through and we, we do what we need to do to keep our head focused and we focus on our home, protecting it getting it solid, but we're doing that and should be doing that always with the heart of the cheerful giver in anticipation of encouraging others to stand up, to do the same, to be there when people are in need so we can raise them up too, because that's building kingdom. And what an amazing time to be in where we can actually do those things, not imagine them, but it's actually happening. And we can laugh at the foolishness, which there's plenty of it. And we can have great level conversations because we are stru- stru- truly, truly on that rock of faith. Nothing's going to rock you. Someone's screaming at you about this or that, and you're just like, hey, let me pray for you. I hate your God. That's okay. I'll pray for you anyway. <laughs> because I love you, and Jesus loves you, and you need to find your way home. And it's okay. And then we start to do the things that really bring spark to our lives. When I was coming back from Yuba City. I pulled into to Weed, and it's north of uh, Redding. It's where I like to gas up. They've got a a nice coffee shop, and they've got a, a good gas station there. Small little town. And as I was starting to pull out, I, I got my coffee, and I pulled out, and I noticed a girl standing on the side of the street on the corner, and she was playing and playing a good guitar too. And she had a sign. She just needed, said, "I need, I need gas." So I just pulled I have cars stacking up behind me. I could care less. I rolled my window down on the Jeep. So what do you need? She says, (laughs) She says, I've got a bus. She goes, I'm out of gas. I said, All right. I said, Will this help? I gave her fifty dollars. She says, that'll help a lot. I just said, I said, listen, Jesus loves you and don't forget that. And man, she got the biggest smile in the world. I have no idea whether she was walking with Jesus or not. But all I know is those words needed to be said, and, those are, and that moment, whatever was given now had the, um, the stamp of Jesus on it, and that's the true power of change. It's the seeds that we sow, and if we do that every day in some form in our communities, and we're that diligent every day in our communities, we've got some change coming, That's the most amazing change of all. The churches start to be churches again. The people start to be courageous again. The the community starts to understand the relationship as a whole with Jesus again. Schools start to reset itself back to moral standards under God's moral law again. The influence of the community influences the city council, the county commission, the sheriff, to where they realize now that there's a community that they're accountable for that loves God that lives and walks with God see that's that's tectonic changes right there and it's not coming from Washington DC it's coming from your chair from your house from your community your neighborhood and your county and that's the most beautiful thing of all let's pray father we are so blessed so blessed what you've given us with eyes to see, what you've given us in a time to live. And we're so blessed because of this community. This has just so many diverse and beautiful souls in it. We don't always agree with each other. And that's the part of being in the body of Christ. But there's one thing that we share that we all share. And it's the love in Jesus and the love in you. And what you've walked us through in this beautiful walk, which is the appreciation and respect for one another as we walk together in the body of Christ. We've learned to have conversations, sometimes difficult, but to hear each other and to speak truth to one another. And sometimes that's not easy. But you've given us solid feet on that rock of faith because we know that we're not so our feathers don't get so bristled because we know that the person we're speaking to or who we're speaking to. We know that those conversations are rooted in love and not the love of the drippy, squishy type, but the love of kingdom, which is rooted in respect and mercy and grace and temperance and honesty and truth. And so, Father, tonight we're just going to pray that that this community that we're, we have seen build through the many different facets, through the online facet, through the podcast element that extends now into 120 countries, to the places on Telegram and the small community groups that crop up out of this and the friendships that build. What this prayer tonight is, is that all of that, all of those seeds that you have sown through us, start to grow now to sow more seeds in the community, to extend this community. It doesn't have to be by any particular name other than to extend the love of Jesus into the world around us and to use this as our base, as our foothold, as our rock to then just continue to reach out and to grow and to be there for one another as we do this. And so, Father, with this last piece here is a very special prayer for a very special lady. She's been with us oh. It's gonna to be tough. She's been with us a very long time. Her name is Nancy R. Her screen name is Nancy R. Nancy is in hospice, father. She's um she's not doing well. So our prayers are that she feels no pain. Our prayers are that she is as strong as you can make her. Our prayers are that she has a most beautiful relationship with Jesus. And our prayers are that she knows the love of a community that has been with her and been around her for so long. This is a beautiful person. You've given me the opportunity to talk with to pray with. And so again, we pray for her tonight. A shining example of the power of this community when we come together and we focus our prayers on one person as we focus on the many. But we truly do share a fellowship in the most amazing ways. So thank you, Father, for the reminder of the simple things and the most precious. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, on that final note, please keep your prayers up for Nancy. She's been suffering a very difficult time with cancer and chemo treatment that has been brutal. And I just got word tonight, earlier tonight, from one of our moderators that informed me of her status, and I'll try to reach out to her over the weekend. But keep your prayers up. We are a community, Patriots. We have to take this beauty that we've built here now. It's our mission to disciple that into our own communities. This community will always be here. But if we take what we are given as a blessing from God that what we have built here, through the difficult moments and the great moments, through the disagreements we've had, through the glory of supporting one another, the one thing I say to everyone in this community is, My love for people has grown beyond any measure because of you. Thank you. Well, that was easy. (laughs) It was easier talking about Trump and red tights and all that, I'll tell you right now. Oh, my goodness. All right, patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Patriots, we have an amazing fellowship here that God has blessed us with. Let us keep the prayers up for that and always be thankful for that because God is with us and he'll never forsake us. And in the end, we know God wins. But the most amazing part of this journey and this story is for all of our oddities and uniquenesses and everything we have, he brought us together for this time in this place. And he trusts in us. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ and share that story. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, and subdue that enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you Sunday night for Peace Be Still. Have a wonderful and blessed Saturday. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now
1: oh i want to feel something i just want to breathe again dive into the deepest dead oh i want to feel something let me get back in